Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. last few days. So, uh, But also this morning is our missions convention. We have two of the most incredible missionaries you will ever meet this morning, uh, Manny and Tina Providos. I'm going to bring them up here in a moment. But I've actually, uh, Don opened a lot of doors, so I've actually been able to travel to like four different countries and be with these guys on missions trips and seen firsthand what they do. And one of the great things I love about Manny and Tina is they didn't start out with just these grand plans. They just kept saying yes. And as you know in your own life, just a series of saying yes to the Lord leads you to where he wants you to go. And that's what these guys have done. They said, whatever you want, Lord. So they've been in Mauritius and Madagascar. Uh, now they're in France, uh, just doing an incredible, incredible job. Uh, but what I love about Manny and Tina is they're faithful. They just keep saying yes to God over and over, and they have integrity. Uh, everywhere we go, we talk to people in their countries where they work, and all they have is good things to say about Manny and Tina. More Tina than Manny, probably, but can <laughs> He definitely married up, just like I did, right? Uh, that's what we do. Uh, but no, these guys are incredible. So would you give a big Calvary welcome this morning to Manny and Tina Providas? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You guys are gracious. It's always a joy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's neat. That's awesome. And it's always great to be here. And I've always enjoyed Pastor Rex coming to India and France and Madagascar and Mauritius. And sometimes he tells me, you bring us there and just leave us there and take off. <laughs> Once in a while, you have to give them the independence to do what God has called them to do. No. <laughs> but it's been awesome. And... Uh, I have a lot of stories about them, but like I said last night, I don't know how many of you were here. I'll write a book, and it'll be in the book. I'll send you guys a free copy. And <laughs> this morning, we're so happy to be here. Tina, this is my wife, Tina. Uh, when we traveled, before we traveled, two children, but children grow up, don't they? We went to Madagascar when our daughter was four years old, and our son was one and a half or something like that. Now they are 29 and 32, and they're... And that makes us a little older. <laughs> Just me. Uh, <laughs> and when we, when we, one of these days, I mean, one of those days when we were in Madagascar, before I go very far, um, I, this was in the 90s, a police called me on the phone. I don't know how he got the phone number. He said, uh, hey, are you working with the Assembly of God? I said, Yeah. <laughs> And you, are you a missionary? I said, yeah, I didn't want to, you know, you have to tell the truth. I didn't know what he was up to. <laughs> um, then, he, then he said, well, I have a problem here, but that you could solve it. I said, wow, a police officer and from a police station calling me with a problem so I could solve it. <laughs> I said, okay, what is it? He said, well, in a, close to your house, there's a bus stop. I said, yeah, there's a bus stop. And he said, there, there's a lady that had a baby that was only three years old, three days old, not three years old, three days old. And she told another teenager, hold my baby, I'll be right back. And she never came back. So if you have a teenager with a little three, three days old baby, uh, I think you guys can take and um, help her, help this boy. In our orphan, we've never, we usually in our orphanage, our children, so we take certain age limit that we don't have to have a personal care every day, you know. And I said, no, we don't do that. I said, but you're the only one that I can contact. And during the same time, there was a guy from Reunion Island saying, I want to adopt somebody. And he was looking, and he's traveling all across Madagascar from here to there and saying, I want to, uh, there's a baby here, I'll go check it out, and all those things, he's doing it. And this baby came, came into our orphanage, and today, he's in a university. His name was Chikone Damia, <laughs> and uh, the parents that took him are missionaries in Madagascar, and they have done a great job. So, because of your faith, 
fruitful partnership. Because of your love for God, because of your compassion, because of your, your covenant with God to say, God, I want to go beyond and, uh, and do great things. We are able to do, you are able to do with us, things like that. In 1997, at that time, 10 or 11 year old, there was a young little girl came to our orphanage. Same way. Not same way, but differently. And uh, her name is Vivian. She stayed with us in, until uh, many years, and then she went to our Bible school, where I was the director of the Bible school at the time. She graduated and went and pastored, along, got married, went and pastored in a town called Manakara. Nespa, mm-hmm. Manakara? You can come up. You can come up now. I'm going to have you come and speak a few, few minutes. And Manakara, she did a great job. She was a great student in the Bible school. She was appreciated by all. The only problem I had with her is she was giving all the answers to the rest of the students also. <laughs> They'll all go to her and ask, what did he say? What did, what, uh, what, what? Ah, you got a microphone, good. And uh, I don't want to tell all the story, but uh, we're so happy to have her and her son, Mandresi. And uh, Mandresi, uh, and they both, they were pastoring there. Now they pastor in a different place called Muramanga. Muramanga is the district, and uh, she works with two other pastors, and uh, there are three different churches and three different places, and they work together. She's doing a great job. It is because of your faithfulness, once again giving, that we were able to, God is able to bring people, and not only just as a children's home, that's just part of, that's just a vehicle, but God uses them in a mighty ways in all across the nation, and we're so thankful for your prayers, and in fact, Pastor Rex already talked about faith promise. It all comes through faith promise. Simply, before I have her say a few words, faith promise is simply not doing what I can, but letting God do what he can through you. Not doing what, what I can, I can do it. I don't need a faith for that. I don't, I mean, basically, I don't need faith or promise or anything. I want God to use this year greater than he has ever used me in any, of my, any, any years before. And for that to happen, I say, God, give me a big dream. Give me a big vision. Give me a great, great uh, cause. We are people with cause. We have, ish, we have things. So I say, God, help me. But because you are going to provide no sweat. He's going to provide. And that's what faith promise is all about. And thank you for what you have done so far. So many years. If, you, if, you be, if she was there in 1997, and that's been, how many years ago that is? 24 years ago. 25 years ago. 25 years ago, she was a little girl. Now she still looks like that, but she's not. <laughs> she's a pastor. <laughs> It is true, cultural shock, cultural difference, language, uh, environment, weather is probably top, top in that. I, I think where she pastored in the first church, Manakara, it is always 90 degrees. It never, no? C'était toujours 25 degrés, 30 degrés? 25, 35, that is 100 degrees. <laughs> 110 degrees. And uh, so it's, uh, it's good that she has to enjoy and face these challenges of cold weather. <laughs> she hasn't come to Wyoming yet, <laughs> where it's going to be minus 20, I bet. <laughs> so I will have you share a few words, and then we'll go. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Providesa and Pastor Tina, for allowing me to have some words for you. I'm trying to talk in English this morning. I don't know if you understand, but if you don't, Pastor Tina can translate for me. <laughs> you, you can understand? Okay. First of all, we thank God for uh, his love, because if we are here, it's love of God. I'm really convinced that God loves all of us. Uh, once I heard once I heard that we, we will come to America, it was uh, really wonderful. And I had tears of joy because this country is, was in my heart since I was little. I knew them. 
I knew some of you here, but today I can see you face by face. So it's really wonderful. I thank also Pastor Rex and Pastor Rami, families Mustin, and uh, all of you. I thank you all for your all love, for your Lord's generosity to us, because uh, God put something in your heart, and you accept his calling to do something for him. From the story that Missionary Prabhupada said, it means that uh, when uh, God calls, he provides us. So that's a I feel, and uh, we are really happy to be with you. As Pastor said, uh, as Pastor Rex said, that we are still here for uh, several months, so we will be sharing, we will, we will talk, but uh, what I can say today that we are really, really happy, and I hope we will be have a fun time and good time with you here. So I hope to that you will enjoy our time to be with us here. So we love you too, as you, you love us. So may God bless you. And uh, God is so faithful to us, as you did many things that I can't enumerate today. But I know you did since we were at orphanage. I was in Manaka. Uh, it was uh, 2011 to 2018, and then 2018 we moved. Caused by my health in Manakar, it's so hot. So sometimes I can't, I can't live on the hot, but I can't live too in the cold, <laughs> as you, as I am wearing like this today. So I'm sorry, I don't wear as you wear, <laughs> but. Uh, I think that in every situation, God is with us. So in the, every situation that we've passed, I know that God was there, and uh, he's, he was there, he is with us, and he will be with us. So thank you so much for receiving us here. Thank you for all what you have done for us, because you've already did many things, and until now you do. Thank you for helping us since I was little girl, as missionary said. I am pastor now, you are still doing it. And uh, even our coming here, you did too much for us. So may God reward you and may God give us what you desire in your life. Thank you for allowing me to share with you for a bit. We will talk more later, and God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. So it's, it's so wonderful, what, um, because we haven't been in Madagascar for a while. Our kids grew up there. As we said, we were there 15 years. But when I find Vivian again today, I remember that Malagasy smile <laughs> because Malagasy are known as kind of their signature mark. They smile easily and their light, their, their faces lights up when they, when they smile. So it's, it's really wonderful to find that again and to, uh, to have Vivian here with us and to reconnect a little bit with her. And we're just very thankful for that. Um, most of you know us, but uh, just for in, in case there are some people here that maybe you're new and you, you don't know us. I'm from Wyoming. Uh, I grew up in Gillette, and uh, so just a really a Wyoming uh, country <laughs> kid, you know, and grew up uh, out of, even outside of town, but um, that's my background. Uh, Manuel's background is different. He'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, we're just really thankful for your church here in, in Lexington for your faithful support. We want to thank you so much because uh, anything that we talk about, you... Uh, participate in through uh, sending us and uh, by giving faithfully uh, every every month to support us so that we can go and be on the mission field and we want to thank you so much for that. Amen. And now from we made the transition from 
Madagascar to France the last 10 years. And it came about, I don't know, I've talked to you about it. We didn't want to go anywhere else but go back to Madagascar. But God uh, directed us towards France through one of the, through University of Colorado in Boulder. She was just taking a few classes in her master's for French literature. And they saw her and they said, we want you to go to France to teach there one year. And she said, no, 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 we're going back to Africa. And they said, please. And they, she re re refused it several times. And finally said, you're the only one we, we want to send you. So I called my office and said, hey, we're going to France for a year, but then we'll go back to Africa from there, and I'll travel back and forth. And we went there, and the state of France paid her to go there and be there for a year. And I was traveling back and forth in some of the sensitive countries during that time. And uh, the first Sunday I went to a church, in a French church that was there, I walked in, Tina and I, we sat in the back and we want to sneak out. When you come to a church first Sunday, you sit in the back. You don't come and sit in the front. That's also true of missionaries. <laughs> you sit there and we want to sneak out. And uh, we sat there. The only thing is the last prayer is going on. The pastor sneaked out before me out there. And uh, we went there and we were going out and the pastor says, who are you? And I explained to him, we're Manuel and Tina, we're... He said, can you come see me on Tuesday? I said, okay. We came back on Tuesday knowing what he was wanting to talk about. He had all the dates, Sundays, Wednesdays, that I'll be preaching in that church. <laughs> I'm going, wow. <laughs> you got a lot of faith in my French, number one. <laughs> You're a French pastor. You think I speak in French. He doesn't even know. But he did that. Then he presented to the district council, to the national level. For the one year, they thought I was missionary to France while I was going back and forth to Africa. And nobody in Springfield, misery. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> but that's how God led us. It kind of felt like God leads sometimes to the back, through the back door. Because we do not know. Because we don't want to enter the front door. Because... Maybe that's not the way, but God helped us come there. And in the last 10 years, God has done some great things. And I appreciate Pastor Rex coming to Amiens. We'll talk about it a little bit. And France, like I said last night, is... Okay, you can go sit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm talking, but I'll have you come back. You can sit in the front. <laughs> and, uh, France, uh, 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 the front line, how do I put it? Can you use your mic and... France is the front line of secularism. France is the front line of secularism. And, uh, and that, I, I want to talk, I want to tie that a little bit to the, this morning and share a few things from Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and uh, if you come to Romans chapter 10 and verse uh, 13 is where I'll start and go to... 16, 15 or 16. But Romans chapter 10, verse 13, everybody knows that verse, I think, no? If you've been in a church, if you grew up in a church, if you're here for the first time, I don't expect you to know that. But if you grew up in a church, you will know, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be. I mean, that is, that is so, what do I call it? Uh, it's a simple solution, isn't it? In fact, you didn't need any verses before that in Romans or after that in Romans. If there was one verse in Romans that all you need, that Paul needed to write to the Rome, Church of Rome is, Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How hard it is to understand. <laughs> but Paul did not, he wrote something from the beginning to the end. Sometimes the, the, the letter that Paul wrote to Rome, Paul did not plant the church in Rome. In fact, he has never been to Rome. He's writing in Rome to the Romans saying in chapter 15, he's saying, I'm coming to see you when I am going to Spain. And you will take an offering, faith promise, and help me to go to places where the gospel has not been. That was, that was his, as a matter of fact, Romans, sometimes we think it's a letter of doctrinal treaties or theological explanation of what is sin, what is salvation, what is sanctification, all those things. And we sometimes try to systematize some of these doctrines. Yes, that's great. I love that. But Romans for Paul is a love letter on behalf of the lost people. 
that's what is all about so that's why he comes to this chapter 10 and and i feel like whosoever call upon the name of the lord shall be saved should be easy it doesn't need much explanation but he's going back to chapter 1 and building a gospel logic a gospel logic to come to this place he starts by saying you know this world this world he brings in two words he puts it in chapter 1 verse 18 you can see it's 18 19 and we don't want to go there he puts it in two words he says this world is filled with he says number 1 godlessness and number 2 unrighteousness i want to talk about unrighteousness unrighteousness is basically a corrupt view of relationships that we have with one another we we'll, we won't get into it but godlessness what he means by godlessness is he's saying everyone has heard about god and rejected them and he goes on maybe not maybe there is something in the virgin island there's one guy that is living by himself he might have known god and not rejected he says no there's in chapter 3 builds it on and he goes on to say no there is not one no there is not one not one in greek is simply not one no not one that no not one as accepted embraced god as he's revealed and they've all rejected i mean i i i come to that and i see it i mean i grew up in india whosoever call upon the name of the lord shall be saved it should be a easy way to go about it but they say no we follow 330 million gods and we want to go through this reincarnation style you know what reincarnation style is all about and uh, in fact if you go to madagascar or if you go to india you you won't find a lot of beef if you go to mcdonald's in india you have soya burgers soya burgers soy. huh soy burgers soja soy burgers yeah i'm sorry for my second language preaching this morning <laughs> soy burgers it's it's a, it's a, for them the cow is sacred you know why because if a mother lives a wonderful life and she gives a lot she has a lot of children in her next life she gets to come back as a cow So, you know <laughs> all you mothers are listening wow <laughs> but the point of it is this whosoever call upon the name of the lord shall be saved and you go to the country i grew up in 330 million gods with this complicated construction deconstruction reconstruction of who god is we have an uncanny ability to come up with something i don't want to talk about other religions and other things this morning but i i'll stick with what i i know of where i grew up and i mean if you just look at it and and paul that's what paul is building up a case so i want to go back to go to my i have a, a slide prepare if you want to go to the first one and um uh is simply my first point is simply this this morning the greatest defining condition of the world is lostness they are lost it's not the greatest defining condition of the world is not certain sins in this country or certain sins in that country certain things immorality i mean they're all there that's all bunched up but the number one defining condition the greatest defining condition of the world is lostness all people have heard all people have heard about god and rejected him that's all it's not that god condemns us for not listening or hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ it's god condemned us because we try to come up with a god that's so complicated you guys are with me this morning all you have to travel with me to india you could you could see it all you have to travel with me to madagascar isn't it in madagascar they believe in god but at the same time they want to kind of syncretize with their own traditional beliefs it's not whosoever call upon the name of the lord is is good enough there I have to talk to my ancestors I have for dead ancestors and things like that it comes with it so there is a complicated ability that we have to complicate god not only complicate god paul calls that godlessness and that's why we go to france and that's why we go to different parts of the world and that's why we have church in america itself i mean i i don't think we are any exception more any any more than 
anybody else. We're all in the same when it comes to constructing, deconstructing, or reconstructing who God is, isn't it? Would you agree with me? I'm not talking about us in this place. But we have that ability uh, in the world, in our society, that the greatest defining condition of the world is lostness. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All people have heard. The condition of the world is godlessness. You can go to the next thing. If you can come and give me that example that from France that we were. This guy's name is, he's a pastor in Rouen. Rouen is a city nearby Normandy region. You know where Normandy is, you will know, because that's where uh, in the Second World War we landed. And this guy wanted to plant a church in Rouen. Go for it. So his name is uh, Ivan, or Ivan uh, Cassar. And uh, he arrived in Rouen about 10 years ago and uh, began to see, they were meeting in a small place, uh, they were a small congregation, but they began to see a lot of growth. And we've been seeing this all over France in the last 10 years. Churches are growing. He went to two services, three services, and uh, finally, you know, they, they started looking for land. And uh, in France, you have to ask the mayor for permission to buy land, put a church in a, in a certain spot. So they always have to go and ask the mayor. They had gone to the mayor several times and asked, but the mayor kept saying, uh, no, for every project, they this land, that land, the other land, no, 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 you can't have that one. And uh, in fact, the mayor was a communist. And uh, so uh, sometimes mayors, because of financial uh, economic interests, they want to have a business. They'd rather have a business than have a church also. So sometimes it's, it might be kind of normal that they reject. But uh, this, so they were praying because they were just, they were, Two and three services, you know, it's a, it's a, a kind of a load to carry. But uh, he had a, a traveling uh, pastor, uh, evangelist come, and that evangelist gave a prophecy. And he said, Pastor, I see gold falling from the sky. And so the pastor was like, yeah, if that doesn't happen, you're not coming back to my church. <laughs> you know, we, we, I would love for that to happen, but uh, I will wait and see if that really happens. And he said, and you're going to have a testimony. You're going to have a testimony from this. And so, you know, he took that and said, God, that would be great, uh, but I'll wait and see. That very week, he received in the mail a letter from a, a notary or kind of like a lawyer saying, uh, you've received a, a donation. And he thought, you know, this sounds really like a scam but he looked the guy up the the lawyer really existed so he said okay why not he went in and he and he asked about it and someone had who had never been to their church uh, donated uh, 50,000 euros which is about $55,000 and so he that very week after the prophecy $55,000 he uh, found out who that was and went and visited her it was a it was a, a, an older woman <laughs> that probably um, preferred to have, you know, church uh, in a traditional style. But he invited her, and he said, you know, I, I invite her to church. She came to church uh, a couple Sundays later, and he was really worried because they had, like, a really youth-oriented service and contemporary music, and she was sitting there. She didn't even take communion. He's like, oh, man, uh, that's, that's it. <laughs> She'll never come back again. But as she left the church, she, uh, he was at the door shaking hands, and she gave an envelope another envelope, and he tucked it away, looked at it later, and it was another 50,000 euros. So in the course of about two weeks after this prophecy, he received 100,000 euros. But he still didn't have permission from the mayor. So he went back into the mayor's office, and as soon as he walked into the office, the mayor looked at him, and she said, whatever it is, pastor, the answer is yes. <laughs> Absolutely. The condition of the world is lostness. But God is still uh, is searching and, and seeking the lost and saving the lost. And these, this uh, church will, uh, they, they, they got into their new property. And this is, in fact, in their new building here where he's preaching. And, uh, again, they've already gone to two services. But they are, are so uh, thankful because God provided that building for them. And that's the way they can, they can touch people who all around them are lost. Amen. In, 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 in. Even in the midst of corrupt view of God, somewhat distorted view of God in France or anywhere else in the world, God is still moving, isn't it? This guy goes five years. He's asking every year. He's asking the mayor. He didn't get it. Sixty years he goes after the offering was ready, and this land in that land now he has four hundred people in that church built, and we found out fifty years ago in the same land there was a revival by a gypsy movement. 
That's the land he has his church. I mean, you can go read about the Jitsi Movement Revival, and you can go check your Google, Google it, but not right now. <laughs> and, 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 and I want to go to the second, next one. Thank you very much. Uh, the next one is the next point that Paul is making here. Not only is the world has no concept about the true God, godlessness, and unrighteousness. I won't touch it today. Uh, and he's saying, how can they believe? This is what he says in verse 14. How can they call on the one they do not believe in? How can they call? I mean, there is a process. He goes on to say, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach to, unless they are sent? That's where the faith promise comes, comes in is how can they hear? How can they believe? How can they, uh, how can they even understand if somebody is not sent? And, and he goes on to say, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who, I was almost going to read, how beautiful are the hair. <laughs> I'm glad he said feet. Nobody sees anybody's feet anymore. But <laughs> how beautiful are the feet. What he's trying to simply say is, we need to send, we need to go, we need to move. And, 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 and my second point is simply is this. I'm going to have you come soon. We make disciples of all the nation together by going. Without moving, without going, without momentum, Staying in inertia will not make disciples, isn't it? That's what Paul is trying to say. He's building a case. Number one, the defining condition of the world is lostness. In the midst of lostness, I want somebody to go. And I want somebody to go with a strategy of making disciples. And we all, we all make disciples of all the nations together by going. Whether it was Abraham, Joseph, or Isaiah. God's commission is for us to make disciples. God did not commission us to go make orphanages. God did not commission us to go build wells. God did not commission us to do a lot of things. We all, in fact, I've done all of those things. We all do those things. But the number one commission that God gives you and I is we go by, we go, we make disciples by going together. And that's what I can, I will go to the next one. If you can come and tell the second story from France. We're just, there it is. This is the, I just want to say, Assembly of God Church in Amia. This is where Pastor Rex came and with his team. They built, they helped build a new church. But to hear the story, I'm going to let you go from here. <laughs> well, they worked with uh, Pastor Tony and uh, his wife, uh, Florence. And in this church, um, you're going to see their new church that they just moved into in January of 2020. That's the building that you all sent a team for to work on. And you're going to see that in a video in just a moment. But I want to talk to you about their earlier building in 1950s after World War II, and you can go ahead and roll the video whenever you're ready. In the 1950s, this, uh, 1940s, uh, uh, World War II, the city was bombed, the city of Amiens, and uh, it was in shambles because of the Allied bombing. They bought a property that uh, had a crater in it from a bomb that had been dropped. They brought, bought that property, and they gathered bricks from around town, any bricks that they could salvage. They cleaned those bricks up, and they brought them to Pastor, and you can see this is the building they dedicated in 1958. So they were in that building until 2020, this building from 1958. And uh, Pastor Tony, that you just see there, and the, this is the new church that you're going to see. I'm going to tell you the story about how they got this church. Pastor Tony, again, 10 years ago, he came, saw some growth, second service, third service, started looking for some land, had put a bid in on a property. It was the highest bid. He knew he had the highest bid, and he said, that's the property God has for me, for us, for the church. And they were rejected. That bid was rejected. They took, actually, a lower bid from someone else. And he was very angry. He was very upset. He said, that's so unfair. And he wanted to sue. He wanted to take someone to court because he felt that it was so unjust. And it, it was in a pastor's conference, and uh, there was a prophecy given. That prophecy said, you feel like this has been, something has been very unjust, and you want to go to court. But man did not reject that bid on that land. I rejected that bid. You've been too focused on the building and not on the people. What I want you to do is what those Christians in the 1950s did. They went around and they gathered up what they could salvage. They gathered up out of the ruins 
they, and they made it into a building. I want you to take people that are broken, and I want you to bring them. I want you to restore them, and I want you to put them together into a community. And that's what we're all about. We're about making disciples, and we're not about a building. A few months later, the building, the, the current building that they, that they just got into in January 2020 came up. It was three and a half times bigger than their former property. It was the building that God had for them, and they were able to get into it debt-free, through a very, it's an incredible story that God provided this building for them, but not for the building, not to be focused on the building, because you know what happened in March 2020? Everything was shut down, right? Everything was shut down, and they couldn't use the building. And God just reminded Tony, Tony, what you're here for is not about the building. The building is a tool. It's important. You have to have it. But you're here to make disciples. You're here to restore lives and to fit them together into a community. Amen. Thank you, Pastor X. And your team came and helped build this building. Now, disciples, as you see it, the baptism is happening. Discipling is going on. A lot of things are going on. Not only that, since Pastor X and the team from your church came, because of your help, and they built this church. He has already planted another church 30 miles away and built a building there as well. And maybe we'll go see that, that building when you guys come in the two months you'll be coming. We'll be doing. What I'm trying to, uh, the point we're simply making is simple. We make disciples of all nations together uh, by going. And the third, third point, I want to go, and that's my last uh, point before we get into faith promise, is we plant, we, we plant churches to create access to the gospel. We plant churches to create. The lostness is one, one, one defining condition. The other condition is we need to give access. That's what Paul is saying. How can they believe in somebody that they have not heard? How can they hear if somebody did not preach? How can they preach if somebody is not sent? I mean, he's building a case, incredible case. That's what I call a gospel logic. Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It might sound very simple, but in a world that's very crafty, in a world that is very uncanny ability to build their own God, in a world that is lost, the compassion that flows from Paul, he says, we need to reach them. We need to go there. We need to make decisions. Disciples, we need to manifest and demonstrate the Father's love to them through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to us to save us from God. From God's wrath to God's love, isn't it? And, 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 and so we plant churches to create. In Romans 10, 17 it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ, isn't it? it, it people have to hear it to benefit from it. And if you go on and put the, one more video there, I put it in a little bit, is in Paris, as you can see in, in, a, in an example is Cretai. There's a city about 10 miles out of the center of Paris. And there will, we sent a guy to plant a church 10 years ago. He had 50 people, and it grew to 100 people. This is the pastor, and I'm in this new church now in Kratai. And we are, and he went. He had 100 people in a few years, 150 people. And he had a room only where 50 people could be seated. So he went to five services when he had 250 people. Can you imagine five services every Sunday? And he said, God, help me. And uh, through various connection and relationship, and God provided this beautiful building. Not only building, we're not, we're not worshiping the building. This building can seat 5,000 people. And he finished building in 2020, by the way. What happened in 2020? <laughs> he, had a, he had in such a way that there was a conference center in this complex. There's a restaurant in this complex. So it's built under a foundation where the church pays the rent to the foundation. He's the president of the foundation. And on 2020, everything was closed. Nothing was coming in. So he had to go like everybody else. He had to go through live stream through that. And he had about 100 people in those days a few years ago watching him and listening to him through the, through the what do we call it, internet. Because the church was closed... The internet viewership from YouTube grew from 150, 200. Today it's at 50,000. 50,000 listening. Not only 5,000 come every weekend, and he does three services already. And you know the greatest thing about this is, he says, Manuel, we have 50,000 people listening to us. We need to get something done with them. We can't just let them watch and leave, watch and leave, watch and leave. So he made an announcement saying, anybody who's watching and wants to stop, 
start a watch, not a watch party, that's Super Bowl, but <laughs> a watch gathering. 300 groups of people responded, we want. So he said, wow, we can plant 300 churches in one announcement in 300 different places. We went through some vetting process, leadership, and all those things. We're training them, actually. We ended up, in January, planting 53 watching groups. Already 53 watching groups in different parts of France. And all they have to do is come together, listen to what's happening. They need to take communion in their houses. They need to eat together, and we train their leader. And 53 groups have already been planted. It's all about access. That's what Paul is saying. How can they, how can they believe in somebody? So we said, let's create the access all across France. As a matter of fact, there are some people watching in Indonesia. They want to start it also. There are some people watching in Bangladesh. Some people watching in French-speaking country in Africa. It is going beyond our own. I mean, it's, it's gone beyond our own way of doing things. So we have put together a training program in, in Internet where it'll be, they'll be trained. Each, every leader, each and every leader will be trained. And the condition is you take communion and you be part of it. Eat together. Ask questions. Discuss. So the preaching is based basically for non-Christians in that church now. So we made an, he made an announcement. If you are a Christian, can you just not come back to church next Sunday? <laughs> Actually, this happened. You, we, we don't want you to leave church. We want you to start church. We want you to, wherever you are, start a group with your Christian. Let the people who do not know Christ come to it. What is happening in this place is, like Paul said, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, even in a secular, secular context. Even in any context. I mean, I, come from a, I came from a church in India when, when in the 70s they had only 13 people. And uh, that Assembly of God church now is 40,000 people. What I'm trying to say is simply, Paul is creating, he's saying, let's create access. Let's make disciples. Let's create access. Because the defining condition of the world is lostness. I want to close with this final story in the next one you can see. That what, what, do, I, what, do, I, what do I gain from this? What is Paul is asking is increase the intensity and urgency of pro- proclaiming. How do I increase the intensity and urgency of proclaiming? Through praying. Through going, through sending, and this morning we will do especially with freight promises. I want us to increase the intensity. Move from inertia to momentum, not complacent. I always tell the story. Complacent is a word that I I learned when I I was here one time. Uh, I was stuck in Omaha one time, and I'm supposed to come to preach. This was a few years ago. And I called Don and Master, and I said, man, I can't come to Lexington this afternoon because I'm in Omaha. It's going to be late. I need to drive. And Don said, I know a pilot. He can pick you up. I'm going, oh, wow, I feel like Billy Graham now. (laughs) You might know the name if I tell you who the pilot is. (laughs) He lives in Grand Island, I think. So Sunday afternoon, I'm in Omaha, finishing glad tidings. He comes in. He lands with his wife and him. He walks and he says, I'm Mel. Oh, I just told the name. Oops. <laughs> and he, he looked a little older. I was a little concerned. How can an older person could uh, fly a plane? I didn't know. <laughs> and I go, oh, Lord, I'm going. My wife doesn't know where I'm going. <laughs> he picks me up. And his, him and his wife are always talking. Which is okay. When you fly, I would rather have you concentrate on where you're going. They're talking, and she, they're kind of disputing or discussing. I call it discipating. <laughs> discipating. <laughs> and suddenly the motor shuts off completely. Way out there, I said, Manuel, you know, don't worry. I forgot to turn the second reservoir, and then he leans down. I said, please turn it on. <laughs> I want to go to Lexington. <laughs> And then he uses the word. He says, you know what's wrong with us very experienced pilot? We're very complacent. Sometimes as an experienced Christian, I don't know how we are. I don't want to say. I'm saying, don't be complacent. Don't talk to your wife, please. Keep going. (laughs) And we're coming to the land. His wife is asking, where are you going? Oh, I'm landing. We're in Lexington. She says, that's Interstate 80. (laughs) 
experienced or not. No complacency, no complacency. It was funny. He's a great guy. We, I mean, I've phoned with him five times after that, six or seven times after that. You're thinking, you're not that smart. Yeah, I, I know, but <laughs> he was very good. <laughs> Experience. What, a, what, what, what God is trying to say is, Lord, kind of take it on my intensity level in praying, in being faithful in thinking through, in having this compassion, in trying to support people like Vivian and, and doing projects and increase my, my faith. I remember 1901, you can go to the next, uh, next one, as the next slide is, uh, is this is a city of Ren where we will be ministering in the coming month, building a hub, training center, training pastors, and sending to 50 places to plant churches. So that is, that is our next project. But I'll go into the next one. You might have heard about this in the next slide. This is the last one. You, if you, it's written in my language. Her name is, can you read it? Amy Carmichael, missionary to India. She came to India in 1895. In 1901, she started a home. For children, because she was she was ministering to girls that were sold to the temple. And the temple, they were working, and there were young girls, 11 years old, 10 years old, like Vivian when she came. But this is only different setting, different country, different belief, different darkness, different lostness. And she went and talked to one girl at that time. She was 11 years old. When I saw Vivian, that always brings to me. This young lady, this Amy Carmichael, she came to India. God asked her to go to this place. And she was talking with an 11-year-old girl. And that 11-year-old girl accepts Jesus. She says, my parents have thrown me out. They won't accept me because I'm a Christian now. So Amy Carmichael said, come to my house. This 11-year-old comes to her house. She grows up. She was 18, 19, 20-year-old. She got married, and she had five children. Four boys and one daughter. That one daughter is my mom. And, 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 uh, and, and in fact, uh, that sons, four sons, they had sons, they have children, they're all pastors now. In fact, one of my cousins who came through, Amy Carmichael, with a son, my cousin, he pastors a church who has 20,000 people. What I'm trying to say is simply this everything you give, you can never outgive God. Faith promise is simply allowing God. Amy Carmichael allowed God. I, I, I want you to take that card right now in your hand. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a sacred moment for me. You never know who you're going to impact, who's going to touch, which country is going to explode, who's going to bring about a great harvest because today you are sensitive to God. You are listening to God, what God is telling you. I'm not, I'm not trying to say to do something that you cannot but I'm asking you to say, I'm asking you to think through what you can do that God can do through you. That's, that's the paradigm we're talking. God can do great things through you. And God wants to do great things to you. And I want you to say, Lord, help me this morning. As I, as I am holding this uh, faith promise, it's nothing that we're going to come after like Pastor Rex said. It's nothing. You, this is, this is a covenant or an alliance or a promise that God is saying to you, saying, I want to use you in a greater way this year. I want to use you in a greater way, not only just uh, through your finance, through generosity and a lot of other things. Generosity includes not only finance, your time, your talent, but also giving the benefit of doubt of others also. It's generous. A culture of generosity. God wants to create a culture of generosity in your life this morning. So I want you to take this. And I'm going to ask Pastor Rex to come back and pray over it soon. But before that, I want to give you a chance. Close your eyes and talk to God. Let God minister to you this morning. I want you to have that hunger, that intensity up. God can do great things, and he is doing. And I want to be on mission with God. God is not calling us to create a mission. He's already on mission. He's already on the road. He's already in the trajectory that he wants to use you, where he wants to use you in a great way. But this year, I want God to increase my intensity. I want God to take away my complacency. I want God to do some new things. I want God to give me new challenge. This new challenge requires new anointing. 
I want God to give you not only new challenges this year. I want God to bless you with new anointing this morning. I want God to touch you in a way that you will never imagine. That you will never think. Beyond everything that you think you could do, God wants to accomplish through you. Can you spend a, the next 10 seconds talking to God? And I'll ask Pastor X to come and pray over it. Lord, we just pray this morning you would speak to each and every one of us about what you would give through us. Lord, as, as Manny said so eloquently, a faith promise is not what we're going to do. It's what you're going to do through us. And Lord, I just pray you help us be sensitive and have bigger vision than what we can do on our own. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Manny. What a great word. Uh, man, these guys do a great job. Yeah, they're always, always impressive. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to close out with a song. But what we're going to do is we're going to ask you to take that card and fill that out. And you can say, I want to give this much monthly. I want to give this much for the year. And you may not give anything. It's totally between you and God. But missions is over and above our tithes and our offerings or our tithes. Missions is an offering. And this is the cool thing, guys. Five years ago, our board sat down and we said, we have a a dream to give $80,000 a year to missions as a church. Uh, We made that. Last year we sat down as a board and we said, we prayed and we said, we want to give $100,000 to missions in the next, in the next five years, we want to break $100,000 in missions giving as a church. This last year, this church gave $103,000 to missions. You guys did that. So thank you for that. That's incredible. So we said, well, I guess we're going to get a new goal. Uh, that's amazing. But, you know, like Tina said, she came from a small town in Wyoming. I know sometimes it's easy to say, wow, you know, we're a small town in Nebraska. What can we do? This church, through your missions giving, the way the AG works, we give to missionaries. We don't give to a big fund. We give to the missionaries. Your giving that you bring into the church, we send to Springfield for the missionaries. That's how they're funded. That's how they operate. That's how they do these things. So like they said, everything that these guys are doing on the field, you have a part in because you're sending them. And you know, today, God may be speaking to some of you about going. He may be calling you to be a missionary here in the U.S., overseas somewhere. But we can all, we can all send. We can all give to send. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning, if you would. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close out with a song. And while we're singing this song, I want you to just say, Lord, what would you give through me? And it may be a number that scares you. But I'll tell you, if God is in it, he's going to do it. He's going to provide that. So, Father, right now, I just pray you would speak to us about what you'd have us to do. Not just financially, but going. Speaking to our neighbors. Lord, also, would you show us what you want us to give this year through missions. As we make a faith promise, as we say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you didn't get a faith promise card, you can grab one on your way out. They're on that little table between the doors. But I want you to take this moment and pray about what God would give through you.